Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm so excited for our guest today because we just learned we are literally right down the road from each other, which is so fun because I talk to so many people that are not even in the United States on Business Unveiled. And we both are from here and grew up here and we both have moved away and moved back. So it's just exciting to talk to like a local Southern Nashvilleian, and I am so excited. So welcome to the show. And y'all, I just have to tell you. So when I saw her name, I'm like, she has the (laughs) coolest name ever. Like, I I can't even imagine, like from a branding perspective, like I would come up with a rap song (laughs) with it. Oh my God, why haven't I done that? That's a great idea. (laughs) And then I'm like, and then I'm like, hey, Ray. And she's like, like Leah, like Raya, Rhea, 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 like Leah. And so it's, but it's like from a branding perspective, like coming up. So one of the guys I talked to today, his name is Klaus, but everyone calls him Claus. He has a big beard. And so they call him Santa Claus. And he's like, my name is Klaus, like mouse. And he's, I mean, it's like, you almost have to work it into your brain. I've actually thought about respelling my name phonetically. So people understand like, that's just, it's just going to be R-E-E-U-H, like Rhea Fry, not Rhea. Rhea. And then is your last name, your married name? No, that's actually my, it's like my author name. So it's my maiden gotcha. name. And then my married name is Holguin, which is really Holguin. It's a Spanish <laughs> name. So you can imagine, like, I'm just screwed, like no matter Either way. <laughs> Yeah, no one gets any of my names correct. That's okay. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like I have a pretty easy name, but somehow, some way, no way, people misspell profit. They're like, is that your real last name? I'm like, yeah, there's two F's and two T's, not one F and one T. And if it was a branding thing, I would spell it the right way. It means money, not like you know, that it was a, a married name for my ex-husband. That is not why I married him, but it's just funny how people like, don't know how to pronounce. Oh it's like you look at it and then you put the Southern draw into it yep. and then it's like even worse. So hey. anyway, welcome to business unveiled. Thank I'm super you. excited that you're here <laughs> because what That's you my- talk about and what you do is so neat for anyone that is listening or watching this, like, I feel like if you own a business or you are a personal brand, which every single person in the world is literally a walking personal brand, it's just up to you if you want to expose it or not, Absolutely. but getting people's voices out there and getting people heard so many people, they want to write a book 
or they want to do content or they want to do YouTube podcast and then turn it into a book. Mm -hmm. And what I love about you is you moved away. You came back, you were in corporate America, and then you started this business because it was a side hustle and a passion. But so before we jump into that, share with our listeners and viewers, what you did before you jumped into the whole world of starting your business and launching it during the pandemic, you guys, (laughs) and then like helping people like get their voice, like into an actual book. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I'd love for you to share your background. Yeah. So actually I've never been in corporate America. I have never worked a nine to five job in my life. And that is very, so I'm a, a total creative at heart. I went to school for creative writing in Chicago, um, minored in journalism and psychology. And then I actually wrote a novel that got published when I was 22 and it was a disaster. I was in such a rush to get published. I wanted to be like my professors and, you know, have a book out there that I knew nothing about the business. I knew nothing about getting paid. I knew nothing about what it meant to be an author. And 80% of all people want to write a book, but so few of us know what it means to become an author. We're thrust into this world and we're just so happy to be picked. And we're, we're, we go in blind, we go in completely blind. So I had this experience that was so scarring as a fiction writer that I walked away from fiction for a decade and I pivoted to nonfiction. So as much as I love writing, I've also always been into health and wellness. I was a personal trainer for 15 years. I was a nutritionist. I co-owned a gym and I would do a bunch of like side gigs, like editorial gigs. I would do freelance gigs for corporations but I know myself and like, I just, I'm like, nope, I can't, <laughs> I can't be in corporate America. I'm a true creative. Um, so I dabbled in all aspects of writing, all aspects of the industry. And I ended up getting four nonfiction books traditionally published. And I realized like, okay, I can get published, no problem. But I didn't understand what a personal brand was or building an author platform and how you needed that to translate to sales. Because unfortunately, writers can't just be writers. We have to be social media wizards and branding experts and salespeople. And so book by book, I kept learning, 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 learning. And fast forward, long story short, I was working three jobs um, at the end of like 2016. And I was desperate to write a novel again. I wanted to return to my first love, which was fiction. And I was in an airport. I saw this mother daughter having a horrific exchange. I got an idea for this book. I went home, I quit two of my jobs that very week. I gave myself eight weeks to write a novel. I wrote it in four weeks, got an agent. The book went to auction, got a movie deal. And like my life blew up seemingly overnight. It was insane. I ended up with a four book deal um, by one of the big five, which is now the big four uh, publishers. And everything seemed to be like amazing. Like this is just going to be the most amazing experience. And the first book was, it was great. But what I learned book by book, being in the industry and putting out a book a year is what I realized is authors are completely in the dark. We don't know 
again, we just don't know what we don't know. So <laughs> you are entering, it's the only profession you enter into where you don't know how it all works. You really don't understand about money. No one talks about it. No one talks about what questions to ask. No one talks about what's going to be expected of you. So I started um, creating this side hustle to help authors get published, to write their nonfiction book proposals, to edit their books, to pitch to agents and or editors. And people started getting deals and like this side hustle scaled to six figures in its first year. And then it did it again in its second year. And I was like, man, there's really something here. So a friend of mine and I started a podcast called the right way podcast, where we just demystify the publishing industry. And we were like, we should turn this, let's do this. Let's turn this into a business. So at the top of 2020, my husband quit his comfy six figure corporate gig and was like, I'm going to go all in with you guys. I'm going to be the creative director. And we started right way, which really does aim to put authors first, to help them become their own best advocates, to pick their publication path and get their work out there. And so we did this in January, 2020, and then the pandemic hit. And I was like, we've, we have ruined our lives. Like we're going to have to sell our house. But in fact, the opposite happened. I feel like everyone finally realized if they wanted to write a book, this was the time to do it. And if they were going to do it, they better do it. So within the last year, yeah, we've had almost 45 clients, 30 plus have landed agents um, and top book deals. We've had six figure book deals. We've had best-selling authors, but then we've had authors who decided to self-publish and have like carved out their own path, which has been so incredible. And so we just serve is helping people navigate this insanely frustrating industry and get their work out there in a way that feels good to them. That was a long story. No, but I love it. And what's <laughs> super important is that you all help both people. And like y'all, yes. before we started recording, like I asked you this, you know, because some companies just do book yep. deals and then some companies focus on self-publish and, um, we've had a lot of clients that they have online courses and things that yeah. we'll build out. And then we do the content to help support organic content, to help, you know, get leads in for the courses. And then usually the next thing is like, oh, now I have a course. Now I want to make it a book or yeah. the opposite happened, you know, or they have a book and they want to make it a course. And so, but the, the big thing too, that is also missing is like, how to be the, like you said, the social media wizard and how to be the marketer. Yep. And so doing the outline and selling the idea and then getting it published and then finishing it and then getting it on Amazon, like not that anybody can do it, but like, you know, there is a, a better way with guidance, like hiding, yep. hiring a professional like yourself, you have a lot better chances <laughs> of yeah. like, your book doing well when you have professional people telling you how to do it. And then, but the marketing piece of it too, I think even my, my little brother who has crazy stories of cases when he used to work undercover for the DA and he worked on this case and he did this book. I'm like, I'm just telling you the, the book is not going to make you a million dollars. It's a great lead magnet and a great yes. way to get you speaking yeah. opportunities and podcasting opportunities, but it takes consistency and you have to constantly 
let people know about it. It's almost like, even if you go on like a virtual book tour and you take a day a week or whatever it is, I don't know what you guys advise your clients, but you know, in going through this myself and then watching other clients, I'm like, it's you, you should be a published author because you're going to get better opportunities from it and to tell your story. But if you just get the book done and you do nothing with it and you don't do speaking or podcasts, you're not going to sell anything. And it's like, but he had to see it for himself. And he's like, and then his company got really busy with the pandemic. And then he, you know, it's just sitting in boxes. And so I'm like, we need to do a proper like book launch and like, you know, so we'll do parties and these book launch parties and they're so much fun, but it's like, you got to tell people about it. So what's like the first thing, because I know somebody listening or watching probably a lot of people, they want to do a book. So what's the first thing to, even before we like get into the marketing of it, what do you consider a successful proposal? And this is just putting it together. Yeah. What is successful versus this is not going to work? Well, like what are some tips? A hundred percent. First of all, you got to decide, yeah, like what you were writing. And, and a lot of people are like, I could write a book, but then w- when we go through the process, it's like, can you write 200, 250 pages about mm-hmm. said subject? And the thing to realize there's a very different protocol for fiction versus nonfiction. So 90% of our business is nonfiction and your book, like you were saying, it really is a tool to help spread your message. It's not the entire message. And it's also something that you can promote forever and you can sell forever. So in the traditional publishing world, you know, they go hard and promote your book for two weeks, maybe six weeks if you're lucky and they move on. So with us, and I know we'll talk about marketing, but we actually in our proposals create a year long marketing campaign based on the sales cycle of a book. So we start six months pre-launch all the way to six months post-launch. But what I love, cause I'm so old school. I don't like social media. I want to just like go back to flip phones and handwritten letters and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, so much so, but what, where we start with authors is figuring out what you really love to do when it comes to marketing and then ditching the rest and creating a marketing strategy that feels really good to you. But first things first with figuring out, like, do I have a sellable idea? When people come to us, they first fill out a very detailed intake form. I want to know how much they've thought about their book, who their competitors are, who their readership is. And these are the things that you should be thinking about, not just like what your book's about. It's really more about what problem your book is trying to solve, how you are going to solve it and who you're solving it for. And that's really where we start. And before anyone ever engages in a book proposal, we get into the big why. Why do you want a book? Because sometimes traditional publishing is not the path. Um, Traditional publishing can take 12 to 24 months for your book to come out. They are going to take, you know, they have the rights to your material. (laughs) You don't often get um, as much money on the back end as you would with self-publishing. So we go through all of that stuff. And then if someone really wants to engage, we build out an extremely robust book proposal 
that entails so many different pieces and parts, the overview, the audience, your comp titles, author bio, marketing strategy, chapter breakdown, and three sample chapters. So by the end of it, it is a hundred page usually um, sales tool that you will use to sell your book. And that's the difference is when we're engaging in this, it's not your book. This is the tool to try to land an agent that will then try to land an editor um, who will actually buy your book. So when we're going through that process, we're really, really diving into the strategy of what your book will become. But whether you're self-publishing or not, I always say for people to um, dive into a proposal because I see it all the time. I <laughs> get clients and they'll be like, I've written a book ready to go, ready to publish. And then we dive in. I'm like, this, there is no sellable hook here. There is no, you don't even know who you're writing for yet. So starting, we're all in such a rush to get our work out there. But when you create a book proposal, it actually is twofold. It's yes, can sell your book, but it's also a content strategy for content that you can then take and do podcasts. You can do webinars, you can do digital courses, you can do eBooks, you can create all these lead gen magnets for a bigger purpose. So that's what we first start with before we ever get to any of the work is I want to get to know the author. I want to get to know their goals and, and really help support them in a way that feels good. And it's not this like romanticized version of how it's going to be to be an author and I'm going to sell a million copies. Like that can happen, but we got to figure out like what path is right to get you there in the first place. And it's not going to happen by accident. Well, and <laughs> if you talk to most New York times, bestselling authors, it's so frustrating. I've researched, I do so much like research on like gender disparity work and in, in this industry and just, you know, how people hit it big. Every single person I've talked to has been timing and luck or they've bought their way onto the list. It's not crazy. I'm like, well, that's not a strategy. <laughs> no, I do hear a lot of people say that they bought their way, yes. which can you, so can yeah. you, uh, give us a little for, for people who don't know what they don't know. This uh -huh. was me a few years ago. I'm like, what do you mean? You bought your way to the <sighs> best selling top. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Can you just so, on that? What yeah. That becoming a bestseller. So that is, that is the, you know, crown jewel of being published. If you're not a best-selling author, then why even try? We are so results focused, which drives me nuts as well. So to be a bestseller today could mean so many different things. So there's Amazon bestseller, and that's actually, you know, it doesn't really mean what it used to mean, but there are all different kinds of strategies you can use to get you to number one in your category with certain ads and certain, you know, placements or companies that do that. You can do that yourself, drop prices. There's something called BookBub. You can drop your your book down to 199 or 99 cents, sell 10,000 copies in a day and become a bestseller. So there's that strategy. And then you have other lists, like the lists that I love are USA Today, you know, Wall Street Journal, um, where you can become bestselling authors. You sell 7,000 books in a week, sometimes 3,000 books in the first week, and you can organically become a bestselling author. Now there are ways and people and strategies to buy your way onto that list. So you would, you know, 
purchase a certain amount of books. It goes towards total sales. It's it, there's a crazy strategy, but people do that all the time for the New York times. And it can cost anywhere from like $40,000 up. Um, and so when I first became an author, my editor was like, don't even think about the times. It is such an elitist list and it is so hard to crack. But then I know authors who've organically made their way onto that list. But if that is why you were doing this to hit a list to get noticed by, you know, so-and-so like get picked by Oprah or get picked by Reese's book club or to, you know, whatever it is, I will say like those moments are so fleeting. And if you are going to write now, if you're nonfiction, you're often not a writer. You're usually a leader and expert in your space, focus on the work and use the book as a tool and don't focus so much on that end result because it comes and goes and then it's on to the next shiny thing. And there is, I always say that, like there is no there there. There's no like spot where you're like, well, now I've achieved it. So I'm good. It just doesn't work like that. So I think when you decide to really learn and figure out what works and what doesn't and what really, you had a spike in sales this week, like what caused that? And that's a, the single biggest thing. Like so many authors don't check their numbers. I'll say there's a thing called Amazon Author Central where you can log in, you can check your sales every week. I ask my clients or authors all the time, how'd you do this week? And like, I don't know, I didn't look, I don't wanna know. And you, you have to know, you have to know your numbers. If you were in business and you just like, cause it is a business, your book is a product. This is a business. So you have to know everything about it. And so many people are just like behind that curtain. Like, I, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I'll, I'll just, I'll just guess. And then your career doesn't last very long. So knowing all the information, knowing your goals, um, understanding your big why and why you're doing this in the first place, it's just a better foundation to build from, I think. Yeah. And can you also elaborate a little bit on the, because there is a huge difference. I mean, even, I feel like there's even more of a difference between like I, a nonfiction and fiction, yet mm -hmm. true, not true, whatever, but yeah. specifically like the people that we work with, um, they are experts. Yes. And so a, a challenge that I see, and even with some of the, myself, like from a productivity perspective, it's like, I just want to be cut and dry, tell you what it is, how to yeah. do it. But I've been coached over the years that you really have to tell a story with that. And you really have to talk about how it's impacted some other businesses or other people or their clients are like, what is the emotion with that? So can you talk a little bit about, because there's a lot of experts that, that watch and listen to the podcast. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of them. And, um, your book really isn't going to sell if, and again, this is from personal experience Yeah. yeah. where can you talk about like in the expert space, how important it is to like be human. Yes. And if, is there a great, um, just mindset going into it? Like if they want to write a book and they are an expert, like what's the mindset that they have to have? Yeah. I mean, I think that really goes into the readership. Like when we get into the audience segment, knowing who you're writing for is like rule number one. And we don't just say like, 
entrepreneurs or moms who are looking to build businesses, we get hyper-specific. We actually build out a sketch of like their pain points and their triggers and what they're looking for and what thought leaders they're following, what publications they're reading, what podcasts they're listening to, what social media channels they're on. So you start to do that deep dive and understand like this is who you're writing for. And then in the competitive title section, a tip that I always tell people to do to really get into figuring out like, how do I want to write? And like, what do I want this to sound like? You look at five competitive titles and we do that work um, for our clients. But when you go on to say Amazon and you're looking up this title, go to the one-star reviews and see what people didn't like about the book. Did they not connect to the voice, the tone, the content? Like, what are they missing in this type of book that maybe you could offer? So we do a lot of that due diligence and research ahead of time. I will say with nonfiction, narrative nonfiction tends to sell better than just like, yeah, a big, like dry, boring, <laughs> like X, Y, and Z. You want to tell a story and you really want to connect with people. So another great tip is to figure out what you love to read, write a book that is similar to what you love to read. For fiction writers, this often works really well. Same thing for nonfiction writers. Like think about those books that you're just like so drawn to and figure out like what your voice is, what is different about you? Why are you the only person on earth who could tell this story? And again, that's why the proposal is so awesome because we talk a lot about like voice and tone. And if someone wants their book to be humorous or inspirational or serious, we take that tone throughout the entire proposal. So when we get to the sample chapters, the agent or editor will know what to expect. And it's a really fun playground where you can try on different, like different tones and different styles, but that's why that process is there. So you can kind of figure out like what feels natural because most people are not, most experts are not writers. And so a lot of people will end up, they'll hire us to end up ghostwriting their book or co-writing their book or giving it a heavy edit. And that's okay. It's about getting the message out there. You don't have to be the most like amazing prolific writer. You just have to get clear on your message and what it is you're trying to say. I love it. And and everything that you're saying is everything about marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah, totally. Like I know you're like the book space, but everything you're saying, like anytime we create a course, it's like the one person you're creating the course for and we name them. And it's yes. like, do they have kids and dogs and like super 100%. specific? but it changes the mindset. Like when you understand the psychographics and you yes. understand who you're talking to and, and some people who ex exactly what you said a few minutes ago, like you just want to hurry up and get it done. Yes. That doesn't work. Right. And so then you've wasted a bunch of time, which your time is priceless and precious and you can't get it back. And for some people, it's not even about the money as it is just to finish a goal that they had for themselves to just to do it or like a memoir for their kids or their grandkids that don't exist yet. Maybe, you know, it just, everyone's goal is different. So I know that you talked a lot about like things that you wish maybe that you would have known, like going into this, because it is kind of like, 
you know, it's not like you put on your goggles and you get in perfect waters and it's like, everything is clear. It's like so foggy. And sometimes like you can't see anything. You don't know what you don't know. So if there's things that are like one thing that you want people to know before starting to write, what would that one thing be? I think one, one giant misconception that I had and everybody has is you think if you get a book deal that number one, everything's going to be different, which it's not, but that the publisher is really going to have a hand in selling your books. You will end up selling every copy of your book, regardless if you are self-publishing, hybrid publishing, or traditional publishing. And knowing that going in, like, yeah, you might have a great team around you, but you are responsible for moving copies of that book. And one thing I think to help people realize that, so a publisher is not selling to a reader they're selling to the bookstores to the retailers like they're basically like your printing press and then you are talking specifically to the reader and what the author often does is they start with a book and then they try to reach the reader you need to be reaching your reader and knowing who your reader is ahead of time before you ever have a product to sell and i think that's a great place to start it's when i you know was coming back onto the scene as a no name fiction writer my book was coming out in 2018 i got the book down in 2017 I decided like, you know, most social media makes me want to go, but I was like, okay, Instagram, that's one place that I can go that doesn't make me want to throw up. So I'm going to figure out who my readers are and start connecting with them, start sharing other books, start, you know, like just having an organic conversation in one place that felt really good to me. And so by the time I did have something to share, um, it, it was great. And that's another thing I think a lot of authors should do. If they're thinking about writing a book, get your following, your, you know, whatever you want to call it, involved with every single step. Show them what it is like to have that self-doubt, to try to figure out what publication path you're taking. Like take them on the journey with you because this is a universal thing people want to write a book. So if you share in that, they're going to feel like they have a stake in your success and will more likely want to follow you along the way. Um, yeah. So that's so true. And the thing, like, I'm totally with you when it comes to social media, it's like, when I started my first business 20 something years ago, it didn't exist. None of this existed. Like, right? (laughs) Like, well, here's the thing. So I think that there's so much negativity and just around social media, like even, I mean, my little sister has four kids and it's like, you know, apps and parent lockdown and, and all of this, but like, I have seen some of the opportunities and like the connections being able to connect with people, you know, on social has been amazing. And I know for a lot of people during the pandemic, when they, they had no audience, they had nothing. And if you look at it the right way, and I only do this because like my whole background's in psychology and Mm -hmm. a lot of, when I worked in the mental hospital, a lot of people, I mean, they were suicidal. And so if, if it can be used like in a positive way, 
sure. where a lot of people got on TikTok and they grew, they were depressed. They were about to commit suicide, but they happened to get on the app. And I mean, there's people that openly talk about it now and they found a community and they were just being silly. Like they didn't realize exactly what you're saying that you can, you can build relationships and have conversations with people on social media that are real and authentic. Now there are trolls and there are assholes out there. I mean, the more you grow, you're going to get that, but it's like, if you focus on the positive part of it, and then you can monetize it and you can make money at it, but it, just with anything, like any job that you work 40 hours a week, if you're creating content and building a community and involving people and taking them on the journey, it can turn into a full-time job and it has turned into a full-time job for some of our clients, mm -hmm. but you've got to make the time to do it. And so when people say, and, and like, I'm a lot of, uh, around a lot of parents that have, you know, younger kids and they're like, I hate effing social media and then, and it's like, well, if there are classes where you can teach your kids, like how to save for their college fund mm -hmm. and, but there's so much, the media focuses on the negative, 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 where like, I'm sure you guys do strategies like marketing strategies. And I feel like with the right strategy, you can reach so many more people worldwide, like with your book, sure. but then, you know, there is the negativity around it. And so do you guys come up with like a social strategy and do you recommend if someone wants to write a book to, if they have no community at all, mm -hmm. I think what you're saying, what you were just saying is that build the community first, even in, and you can have five people. It can be yeah. five people, it can be 10 people, but build, start building that. And then, like you said, ask them, pull them. I mean, there's free tools out there. Your right. time's not free, but Instagram, all these platforms have free tools now where you can pull people, but what do you think is holding people back from creating that, that community? Do you think people are afraid that what they want in their head versus the feedback their community, they're building is giving, it's not aligned. And then that may slow them down. Do you think that that is why people don't want to do that first? I, I mean, I think I'm the wrong person to ask because I have so many opinions about this, but I'm like, I don't think we have to use social media. And like 10 years ago, 15 years ago in my industry, you didn't need any of that. Guess what? People right. bought books and people were spending, the average person is spending four to six hours on their phone every single day. It is taking away from relationships. It is contributing to mental like, I mean, I know that it's been great to like connect with people, but if you really dig deep, like it is, it, it can be a very dangerous tool. And it's, I always say like weapons of mass distraction because we are constantly distracted. We were never meant to connect with 10,000 people, hundred thousand people on a daily basis, consuming so much information. So if people want to want to write a book and want to publish a book traditionally in the nonfiction space, not fiction, fiction's different, but nonfiction, the author platform is everything. And it's the single biggest reason I hear why people don't get published. I had this amazing client. He has over 300,000 engaged followers. 
just pitched him and they were like, eh, his platform's not big enough. Can't, his numbers aren't big enough. And I was like, you know what? Uh, this is that's horrible. ridiculous. So what I say is, I mean, having a smaller engaged community, whether that's in real life or online, is more important having 500 people, 300 yes. people, a thousand people will often make more of an impact than having 15,000, 25,000, 100,000 like semi-engaged you know, followers or whatever. So we start with, in our marketing section, if someone comes to me and they have no digital footprint, they've not done any speaking gigs or conferences, traditional publishing right now, there's, there's no way. I know the industry, they're not going to say yes. But what we can do is if someone really still wants to engage with us, when we get to that marketing strategy, the first thing, so I always give real examples from real proposals so people can see how it works. And our marketing strategies are like seven pages long. So the first rule of thumb is to go through and delete anything you do not want to do. That includes social media, podcasts, email newsletters, like whatever doesn't speak to you, isn't organic, we get rid of it. And then we start to build out a strategy based on what you love. If you love to do podcasts, if you love to speak, because I think what keeps people to come back to your question, I think it's all just really overwhelming. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, there's like so many things I could do that you get paralyzed. And I do it with every book. Like my next book comes out in February and I'm like, wait, what, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to approach the launch? Like, it's just this, it's really, really overwhelming to think about it. So I think before people get published and before they ever even start, it's such a beautiful place to be because you can approach your strategy and your launch with a very intentional mindset of focusing on one or two things that work really well, trying them out, and then you can go from there. You don't have to do it all. And I think in our world, it's like more is better and going big here. And I got to have a course and I got to do this and I got to do that. Like we've built our business to a multiple six figure business with no social media, no digital marketing. We are completely word of mouth. We were referral only. Yeah, we could grow and be huge, but like we're doing it in a way that really speaks to us. Um, we have the podcast, we have our newsletter and that's it. We don't do anything anywhere else. So it's, it's really interesting. Like I would say, if you don't want to do something, don't do it. And then get really creative and do like, just focus on the things that you love. Well, and something that that's really important that you said is like, you don't have to be everywhere, no, but don't. having one outlet yep. where you can build that community. So if people hear about you or hear about your book, you have the podcast, like you have something right. that is providing content to where people can come into that community. And so having one thing, like some people that most people that come to us, they have already a very established platform, but yeah. for, for newer people, yeah. you know, I agree hundred percent. It's like pick one place where you yeah. think your people are exactly, and then build that because one year back when I did a lot of weddings and events, we focused on Pinterest for one year and yep. I spent one hour a day and yep. then I saw how it was growing. And then we hired a team member and then we had an intern that started to really grow it. 
And it's like, if you just focus on one thing, it will grow. But and, again, the yeah. consistency really, really, really. Well, really and the consistency is everything. And one thing I love to do is like, okay, let's pretend that social media just imploded tomorrow. Like, boom, nope, can't promote, cannot promote in any way on any of the platforms. What would you do then? And coming up, I love thinking outside of the box with my clients. I love like problem solving. And it's so much more fun to get back to like, I don't know, just thinking, thinking outside of the box and doing things differently than everyone else looking for like that next way to market or the next thing that's coming along and, and doing that if it feels good for you. Um, and for me, I just, I don't know. I like spending time on the things that I love and just leaving the rest because it's not applicable to my life. And I have a nine-year-old daughter, I have a business, I have a husband, and I'd rather spend my time like hiking on a weekend than scrolling through social media and building my following. But that's, I mean, that's just me. I'm also, you know, almost 40 and from a totally different time, <laughs> but, but I've, I've gotten really real about that. Like what is important to me in this and what isn't. And I don't necessarily need a, a giant multi-million dollar business because I know what it's going to take to get there um, in terms of being everywhere and being huge. So I'm, I'm a little bit old school with the way that I approach business and marketing and, and growing slowly and intentionally and making sure it fits in with your life. I love that. And another thing that you said, that's really important too, because again, some people, and, and that unfortunately is like the world we live in where some of these big brands, they're like, Oh, you don't have a big, like your numbers. Oh, and it's like numbers, the numbers, the vanity <laughs> metrics. And I'm like, it I've, vanity metrics. It's yes, a hundred percent. And I'm like, I'd rather have 10 people follow and listen and act on, on whatever I'm yes. doing rather than a million do nothing. Yes. A, a like doesn't always, it, it doesn't pay your bills. No, it doesn't. Right. And the smarter brands are looking at the engagement and yep. it can't, like you said, it can be a full-time job and don't do the things that make you uncomfortable, but you know, to grow sometimes it's like, Absolutely. get comfortable being you know, uncomfortable. You gotta be uncomfortable for sure. But I think like, if, if yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, if people want to know more, it's like, go read the book. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing too, is like when you have a book, which is like your business card in many ways, you can, you can do so many fun things and there are great strategies. And yes, we really help. I say we're not like into book marketing. We don't market your book for you, but we do give you the roadmap where is, if you want to hire a publicist, if you want to hire a digital marketer, if you want to hire someone or have someone on your team, you could just hand them that strategy and then they can kind of take care of it. And that's the other thing I would say is if you don't want to do a lot of this stuff, there are some great people out there that, that can help, but also don't be afraid to kind of problem solve and think about things differently. I think we're just so used to now it's like, well, everyone's on TikTok. So I'm going to get on TikTok or everyone has a course. So I'm going to create a course or do it if you want to, but but yeah, like really getting back to that process time and, and thinking deeply instead of just reacting and putting things out quickly. Slow down. 
just yeah. slow down. That's slow down. what I would yeah. say to my younger self. Like, slow down. Do yeah. more research. Get your data. Like, yeah. There's no rush. You're like, know your numbers, know your numbers. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, again, I, to remember things in school, I'd like make up rap songs in my head. And it's yes. like, we got to come up with something multiplication. About- <laughs> yes. Like we have to know our numbers. And yeah. that's again, with marketing, that's everything. So if people want to connect with you, yes. would Instagram be your favorite platform? Yeah. So I don't have, um, we started like a right way. We tried that for our business. I was like, nope, not doing it. So I'm yeah. just at my name, R-E-A-F-R-E-Y, Rhea Fry on Instagram. I'm deleting Facebook. I already deleted Twitter. Um, but I really say, you know, our, our websites, I have a personal author website at reafry.com and then our company right way it's right way W R I T E W A Y C O.com. So rightwayco.com. Um, everything is there. We're actually putting on our first retreat, um, in September, it's less than 48 hours on a beautiful property in Franklin over 80 acres. And for people who want to knock out their book proposal in a day and learn about the path, which path to publication and pitching and strategy, we are doing a deep dive um, in less than 48 hours to get it done. So it's a real like DIY at a third of the cost of our, you know, VIP packages. So super excited about that. That's amazing. Yes. And we'll have to make sure that we have that link awesome. and, um, Amanda will have to, she'll put all the stuff in the show notes Yay. for you guys. This was so helpful and so awesome. Thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you. And we have to go get coffee since we're Nashville buddies. Right. <laughs> right. And everyone that's listening and watching, thank you so much for being here and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye y'all. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done. Would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.